The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. With me is Jerry Karaya. And what a week. Wow. This was a crazy one. Not necessarily in the bullion market. It was a, a little bit quieter in the precious metals market. But just watching the anticipation of, of Jerome Powell speak. And uh, I, you know how we like to watch um, the telegram, the gold telegraph feed. And they were saying, oh, it's four hours away till Jerome Powell tells us everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, everything was okay for a few hours. And then the next day, everything has gone back down. So what a topsy-turvy week. Before we jump into some of the the updates here, Jerry, just a quick um, update on the indices for the year. The Dow Jones year to date is down nine and a half percent. The S&P is down 13 and a quarter percent. The NASDAQ is down a whopping 21.85%. Gold so far this year, year to date is up 3%. Silver is down 4%, which makes it still a better performer than all of the indices. The, qu- the big question is, before we jump into some of these news headlines that did create that topsy-turvy um, experience that we've had throughout the week as we tape the show here on Friday, is uh, has silver bottomed? Well, if you look at the support, the resistance import level right now, today we're looking at uh, silver around hovering around the 2250 mark. Uh, we're seeing jumps of about 25 to 50 cent moves. So where can we see it? September was 2150. That would be ultimate support level. But 22, it's a psychological level. Um, oversold already, I feel that silver has been oversold. The moves have been made. We're, we've been waiting for the Fed to make its move. It has. And a couple days to digest this reaction. And many people are trying to dissect what Fed Powell said. You know, one of the one of the things that he did uh, remark about was the rate hike uh, of potentially 75 basis points. So the Fed this week raised interest rates by 50 basis points, Jeremy, as we all know. Uh, but Powell said, nope, we're not going to consider 75 basis points. That's a rule. Just oh, like so, the transitory n- narrative. Yeah, that's what got everyone so excited is that yeah. is that the promise was that we're not going to really beat you up. We're just going to hit you really hard. Yeah, we're just going to hit um, you, not the one-two punch. With silver, um, my understanding as well is that the open interest is down. So that's a, a, obviously as well a good sign. It means that uh, they've washed out some of these, uh, the low-bearing fruit in the market so that, um, you know, going forward, we've got stronger hands. This is typical, this type of movement action that we're seeing in silver. The idea is, you know, it is a bull market and they want to try to whack you off off the bull as you're going. You really have to look at gold in this case to see that, you know, gold, again, we talked about this a little bit last week, that gold a couple months ago, we were struggling to get over 1800. We were in the 1750, 1770 range. Bang, we got up into the into the high 1900s, and now we've pulled back just below 1900. I still see that as a very, very positive sign in the gold market. And of course, we're going to get into a lot more about why gold is so positive right now and why we should be really uh, strongly considering that, as many central banks are around mm-hmm. the world, which mm-hmm. we'll get into later. Um, but this is typical. 
cyclical action. You get a little bit of pullback in gold, you get a lot more in silver. The ratio right now in the, the silver to gold ratio is in the 80s again. I think we're around 84 to 1. I think we've been as low in the high 70s, like 77 to 1. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're above 80 to 1 on that ratio is a buy signal to, yeah. for, for, silver, for silver, really. Mm -hmm. The first big time we saw that major 80 to 1 ratio was actually in 2008 when they sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater. Gold and silver were reaching major highs that year. Gold, uh, silver hit a high of $21 after moving up from about 14 so it gave back all the gains, ended up falling to about $8 an ounce. Mm -hmm. And at that time, that was the first big break in the market too, where premiums skyrocketed, where even though the paper price was 18.50 and moving up to nine, you couldn't buy it for less than 14 in the real world. Mm -hmm. So premiums uh, rose and that was at 80 to one ratio. And then of course, within a couple of years, the price went to $50. So that's one proof positive of why you wanna look at this 80 to one ratio and not despair, but say, ooh, Mm -hmm. This is an exciting time. Another situation where that occurred is uh, in March of 2020, when silver went from 18 down to $12, and the ratio got to above 100. I think yeah. we got to like 120, 120 yeah, to one, something crazy that just couldn't exist ever. And then, of course, the price went silver price went to $30 plus really quick. So we know that these are good opportunities. Fortune favors the brave. I know seeing is believing, and unfortunately, you know, if you don't, many people buy at the top of the market because that's what it takes for them to believe it's going there. But we're going to go through all the fundamentals today to show you why the prices are, are just a great buy right now. Again, gold up 3% on the year, silver down 4%, but that is that is performing way better than the NASDAQ down 21 and the S&P down 13 and the Dow down nine. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of uh, a lot of conversations were surrounding what's going on in the metals market this week. And I just want to address some of those some of those uh, questions, you know, what's happening? Why, why the pullback in metals? Well, it's a very good question. And um, it's very important to remember that this is a sell in May and go away. So we're seeing the big sell off in precious uh, in, in the stock markets in the share markets and when that happens um, a lot of these institutions have to cover their uh, make make their margin calls and unfortunately they would have to go and sell their good assets which would be your gold and your silver so you may see a pullback in your metal market your metal markets at that point but again gold and silver are negatively which means they move in the move in the opposite direction of the Dixie, the U.S. dollar index. The U.S. dollar index is a cur is the U.S. Federal Reserve note versus a basket of other major currencies, and the U.S. dollar note it is hovering around a five-year high. It looks to be topped out, um, testing uh, resistance and getting rejected at a resistance of a 20-year high. So, could dollar continue to move higher? Chances are no, because if we pull back to a 20-year chart. Uh, this is signaling that the dollar index has peaked, and this is your time to buy because once that starts to reverse downwards, then your metals start to recover. Gold will instantly shoot back to 1950, retest 2050. Uh, of, that was the high that we saw a few months ago. And then silver just goes parabolic from that point. So consider getting involved now while we have some strength and Bank of Canada is going to be hiking rates. So loony, loony strength coming up potentially. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, it's not only the, it's not only the U.S. Fed, um, you know, 
the Bank of England has, has raised rates. Mm -hmm. Bank of Canada is raising rates. It's definitely a concerted effort around the world to start raising rates and try to rein in the inflation. Uh, the question is, if inflation is running at over 7%, according to these to these countries, how are you supposed to capture and and tamp down inflation if interest rates are still at 2%? Can they catch up? No. It's a, no, that they're way behind, especially if you're not using uh, the the correct measure of inflation. If if we're using 6.5%, we had uh, a Fed chairman, a Fed governor that spoke just after the, the rate hike this week. Uh, Heller was his name. He came on to say, you can't nibble at this inflation. Uh, at this inflation, You're nibbling with 50 basis points. You've got to come out. If inflation is, quote, unquote, 6.5%, which it's not, it's rather 17 and 18%, you've got you to gotta be higher. You've got to raise interest rates higher than 6.7%. And then... You know, the, the, the correspondence and the anchors were like, that will crash the market. That will literally cause a depression. And that's that's what they have to do. If the target is inflation and you have to challenge and temper that, you have to do that. Otherwise, inflation will just continue to rise. Okay, so they can't catch up to it. So how long do you figure, uh, what's the over-under on the Fed abandoning its ability to raise interest rates? In other words, we know in 2018, Jerome Powell tried this game before. He tried to raise interest rates, and they hadn't printed. The balance sheet on the Fed was not $9 trillion. I think it was like $4 trillion at the time, and they couldn't raise rates. Then the, the, the market didn't like it, and they, had, uh, they, they fell down significantly in December of 2018. And then, of course, he, he reversed course. So how, how far do you think they can go with this before they have to reverse course? Well, it's it's a debate between if they're if they're willing to go after the inflation. If they're not, they're going to back down because of Wall Street. You know, they're they're headbutting against Wall Street right now because it's hurting the the Dow. If the Dow breaks through thirty thousand, uh, then you know this can really be uh, you know a, a cliff that this uh, that the market will just get, just tank. Do you think maybe they're just trying to run the clock? They I get are. the vibe sometimes that they're just running the clock. Let's try to raise interest rates, and we can back it down, keep it up. Keep, you know, how long can we keep this these plates spinning in the air before we really have to deal with the ultimate collapse? Or maybe part of it is trying to race towards that great reset. This is it, uh, the Klaus Schwab great reset, where everyone owns nothing. That's right. What what Jim Rickards wrote about this week was just that uh, the dollar can be used uh, for regime changes. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about about that after the break. Yeah, how they use how they use dollars and currencies for regime changes, or how gold plays a role in the Great Reset. The reset, our Great Reset, or we just call it a reset. Correct. Okay. <laughs> the number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. At Guildhall, we only deal in physical, physical, physical. If you can't hold it, you don't own it. You can buy it direct. Take it home, self-store your own product. If you're looking for some storage options, we do have that available with an independent um, vault facility. We utilize Brinks. It's secured. It's armored. It's fully insured. The product is fully allocated, fully segregated. You can hold it in your RSP TFSA where it's held, again, outside the banking system in that vault. Give us a call, 1-877-8-SILVER, the website guildhallwealth.com. This is The Real Money Show 
on AM640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. Our hair is on fire. We want to be buying more and more gold and silver at these prices as there is a bit of a pullback. Gold doesn't really feel like it's pulled back a lot, Jerry, but uh, silver's definitely come down a few dollars. Even with the higher premium, you know, we're, put, we're helping people get into the market in the $27, $28 range, which I think is, is still, still quite um, a bargain considering, you know, the people have purchased as high as $32 an ounce with the cost of doing business. Uh, for the retail product. So definitely a good time to be taking advantage. And, you know, the the paper money is just becoming worth less all the time. And now with with the interest rates rising to fight inflation, you're seeing the effects in different markets. One such market is Toronto real estate. And, you know, they're, they're saying that in April, um, it was one of the biggest monthly drops uh, in quite some time. And it would appear to me that maybe people are waiting to see if there's another interest rate hike before they enter into the market. Mm-hmm. You know, the question is, is okay, you're raising rates, you're going to keep raising rates, apparently, how far does this tightening go? And what does that do to a potential budget? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I, I suppose it would also put some questions into people's minds who are maybe are using a lot of home equity as well, mm-hmm. right? That's, an, that's another concern for the World Bank, the IMF have cited that the, the debt-to-GDP ratio or the, uh, the, the debt-to-income ratios for real estate investors here in Canada are at an all-time high, which is very dangerous in, a, in this type of environment. When we have our central banks, both Bank of Canada and the U.S. Fed, both saying that, hey, we have the room to r- raise rates, so we have to be very ready, uh, be ready with, um, you know, with some hard assets. And what is your hard asset to defend against this, this rising interest rate environment? This, it's gold. It's your precious metals. Um, and away from debt instruments and debt instruments, anything that has benefited from stimulus and low interest rates, you got to get out of. I mean, uh, you don't have to listen to us. Obviously, we're not financial planners, but we can follow the trends and all of the trends are towards gold bullion right now. Well, what, what would you say to someone who's looking at the price of gold right now and they're saying, well, the, the, if this inflation's happening and gold's only up, you know, three, four percent this year, well, it's not really doing its job, is it? Well, we're seeing a lot of uh, price action, and price is is one thing. Price is the paper. Uh, what the physical is doing is a different story. What we're seeing behind the scenes is the supply and demand side, and the supply and demand is what will cause this market to move higher because when exchanges and when central banks are and countries right now, the trend is here. It's very clear that countries are scrambling to secure their gold reserves. Um, there was some news uh, written this past week by Yan Newenhouse, a gold commenter. He goes, he, de- he delves into the reserves for every country. And in the news is Denmark. Denmark ho- held 90% of their gold reserves in the Bank of England. It's supposed to be there. Um, they've been begging for over 10, 14, 15 years. Can we see, can we have an audit? So they were finally let into the Bank of England without any inventory reports to do an audit. So you ha- you don't have any bar numbers in your hand while you're auditing. So you're just seeing bars of gold. <laughs> then they left. And then they received their inventory report <laughs> without bar numbers. 
There was absolutely zero numbers. So whose gold is that? Whose gold wow. was that? So this is just one country of many, many other countries. And this is, the, this is showing the relevance of gold today. We're scrambling towards the physical, and the physical is leaving the exchanges. And there was a headline last year. What happens to the exchanges when there is no gold inside or silver inside? And what did they say in that article? Well, look what happened. All, that was an article last year that pointed the finger at the London Metals Exchange, and that was surrounding their copper issues. And then just you know, fast forward one year later to today, the London Metals Exchange is closing down because they were involved in nickel, they were involved in gold and silver futures, so was the COMEX. Are they actually closing down? I, I, I saw that article, but then I couldn't find it again. It kind yeah. of disappeared. Yeah, they're shutting down in July. They're shut, so they're actually just shutting their doors in yeah. July. No more trading. Well, that's what we need. The article that I read recently was that they were trying to raise the capital for their default fund. They were raising the default fund. You're saying, they forget the default fund. We're just closing our doors. We're, we're defaulting now. It would put pressure because they wanted the members of the London Metals Exchange, all of them, to raise the default from, fund uh, from $1 billion to $2 billion. These companies are already cash-strapped. The margins are already in, you know, getting, getting cut in half because of inflation. We're not seeing growth. The U.S. GDP was negative last, when reported last week, and we're getting inflation much, much higher than 6%. So you know, companies, and especially producers, are feeling the pinch. Yeah, Jerry, one of the things that I would say as well to someone who might be looking at the price action in gold um, is that in the precious metals market, there's a tendency for everybody to think in a binary way as well, right? If this happens, this should happen. For every action, there's a reaction. Mm -hmm. And it, you have to look at, number one, the overall performance of gold over a longer period of time and understand, and this goes to your point about the U.S. dollar index bumping up against um, against the highs, is, is that gold is um, anti-dollar, right? So if gold is anti-dollar and the dollar is essentially peaking right now on its index, which would be a good time to start raising interest rates in a period where the market could handle it for a month or two. What happens when that index does start falling mm -hmm. and gold does start moving? Mm -hmm. And now you do start to see the market rising. Now it's not rising in, in a reaction to what you're seeing today. It might be rising in reaction to something else that's happening in the market, but it's what happens over time. Mm -hmm. And over time, gold is up, you know, over 400% over the last 20 years. It's only had three down years in the last 20 years in Canadian dollars. Uh, that's a huge hedge for your money. And the idea is that where you're headed with this over the next several years is that you want your wealth to buy you the same amount of goods in five years and 10 years that it buys you today. Mm -hmm. Hopefully even more, yeah, you know? Yeah. And if you look at, you know, you mentioned Jim Rickards. I was listening to a great interview he did on USA Watchdog. Okay. He recalculated his numbers for what it would take to back a currency with gold. And he said at minimum $15,000. He used That's to be right. 10,000, mm -hmm. you know, the big number was 10,000. Uh, but he did talk about the fact that gold kind of has to get to 3,000, which is a huge move. It's a 50% bump. But then once you get over that, each $1,000 is a smaller move. That's right. And so, and at that point, the market will become acclimatized to higher prices as well mm -hmm. for gold. So um, now we were going to talk about 
uh, backing a currency with gold and what change that can make. Mm -hmm. Well, we are seeing moves by many uh, by the one nation right now of Russia and even China moving into pegging their their currency, backing their currencies with gold. So we saw this move play out in, in with Russia, love them or hate them. What they did with their currency was genius. So when you have a nation like the U.S., uh, you know, weaponizing the dollar and sanctioning nations, even a country sanctioning, sanctioning people, you have to pivot. So the major pivot in this case to battle the, um, the sanctioning and weaponization of the dollar was to pivot towards gold. Um, in the, at the beginning of the sanctions, Russia's currency, the ruble, tanked. It literally, literally fell off the face of the earth. It was, it was, going, it was rapidly declining, um, causing a lot of worry and stress. But what they did was pegged the ruble to to gold, uh, five thousand rubles for every gram, that immediately recovered the do the ruble, and in a matter of weeks, uh, the ruble has become stronger now than the U.S. dollar, which is supposed to be the strongest currency right now because of their rate hikes. No, actually, the ruble has increased thirteen percent higher than the U.S. dollar. So we've seen immediate uh, an immediate solution solution to um, currency issues, solutions to inflation, and solutions with the interest rates being too high. They were able to cut interest rates. They tempered inflation all in a matter of a month, Jeremy. Why doesn't so, Turkey do that? They've got, they've got headline 70% inflation. Mm -hmm. Why don't they do it? Instead of telling their citizens, they're telling their citizens to sell their gold, why don't they back their currency, peg their currency to gold? Maybe, you know, I think when it comes to setting the trend, um, I think adoption has to be done firstly by the major major institutions and major comp, uh, countries. In this case, Russia and China must do it first. Um, as we talked about before, what happens to an exchange, uh, a metals exchange that has no gold? Well, naturally, it must be replaced with an exchange that has gold. And in this case, it was the Shanghai Gold Exchange that was launched 10 years ago even more than that, but they came out initially to, you know, just be friends with the COMEX, and they said, we're not here to threaten the COMEX, we're here to just strengthen the overall, the global gold market. Well, now, <laughs> they're, they're, doing the exact, they're doing the exact opposite. They're saying, well, Russia's willing to work with China um, and acquire as much gold, and then by the end of June, they're going to be reassessing the supply, supply and demand on gold and potentially revaluing the gold price. And, and that I, is the... That's the nail in the coffin for the comics, in my opinion, because when you do that, you put you, what it, what's going to do? It's going to squeeze the futures markets. And when you squeeze the futures markets and there's derivatives, look, we have 100 to 1 paper certificates and ETFs for every one ounce of gold, over 400 for silver, 400 to 1. But when you're taking delivery of these assets, the physical deliveries, when the exchanges have no physical gold and silver to back it up, what happened to the London Metals Exchange? What will happen to the COMEX? We don't know, but we'll see. It's going to be a very exciting summer. You're, you're assuming there's going to be a blow-up at some point. Regime change. This is the regime this change. This is the regime change you're talking about? Yeah, you would. You hyperinflate the currency potentially, and you, cause, and you bring in a solution. Well, uh, I mean, I would say this. It certainly doesn't feel like we're building back better. <laughs> you know, gas prices are through the roof. 
Um, food prices are through the roof. They're saying there's going to be, you know, uh, food insecurity, I think is a way we could say it. Um, you know, even Trevor Noah at the president's dinner was ever whatever was roasting Biden. And it was it was like, are you really roasting him? Because it doesn't even you know, you're saying everything's up since he came in gas prices, food, this, that Biden's laughing. And it's like, Trevor Noah, you're, you're like a complete sympathizer for the left. And yet what you're saying is just a it's not a roast. It's just a massive truth bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very confusing to see that. But nothing's getting better. I mean, they could easily have energy independence as they had a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, you know, they could end they could end this thing in Ukraine very quickly with the phone call saying, OK, all right. All right. You, NATO won't do anything. OK, like these type of things. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like they want to build back better in any way. It seems like they want to destroy um, and even when free speech is coming back, you know, with with Elon Musk taking over Twitter and at least promising the the idea of free speech, free speech, they come out and say, okay, well, you know what, we need a ministry of truth, and we'll just put in the, the closest person that we can find who's been wrong on everything and lied about everything. That's a good person to use for the <laughs> truth. Um, you know, don't believe us. Go look it up. It's this is absolute craziness. I mean, if I was a chess player and someone put that in front of me, I'd say, you, you sure? You don't want to take that move back. That's a terrible (laughs) move of what you're doing. Everyone can see what you're doing when you're creating a ministry of truth. Now, I'm sure I'm sure there are people out there who are, you know, so happy that there's going to be a ministry of truth. But, you know, gold is truth. Gold is an ounce in every country. It's a it's a singular measurement. It makes economic activity possible because you can have a balanced economic transfer right? We both know what a dollar is worth. We don't know what the Canadian dollar is worth at all. What is the Canadian dollar worth? How are you going to measure you? How can I measure you with a with a measuring tape? I can't. So we don't understand it. So when inflation comes comes around, we don't really even understand how inflation works. And we're still trying to get through investments and try to aim for 8% a year when inflation's at 15. Mm-hmm. We need different solutions here, different, different solutions. And one of those solutions is actual hard assets. That's right. Physical gold, physical silver as part of your portfolio, the number 18778silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. This is The Real Money Show on AM640. We'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. You know, we've got... Um just so much stuff going on when you've got inflation and raising interest rates. It just seems everything's hitting hitting all at once. And Jerry, before we got on the air today, you were talking about watching um, the debates, and you made an interesting comment about the uh, their views on printing money. Mm-hmm. Well, the I guess the number one. Uh, this de- is the conservative leader debate. That's right. So. The, obviously, every leader had to state their um, solution or state the problem and how they're going to quell the issue. And the number one topic was inflation. Um, and what they did address was the money printing is, is an issue. But they never, they never offer a solution on how to safeguard the currency. They never discuss gold. 
which is which is very clear on what gold did do for Russia, you know, for for their currency. We can immediately, almost immediately, bring a solution in if we, you know, do the same type of pegging to our currency. Okay, but here's the problem on that note. Sure. Because I asked you in the other segment, how come Turkey hasn't done that? And perhaps the reason Turkey hasn't done that, I'd have to double check, but maybe it's because they just don't have enough gold. Potentially. Right? How could Canada peg itself to gold if they don't have any gold? Well, they would have to nationalize a mine. And they, they have, we, we are a resource-rich country. Uh, we do, our, our currency is considered a commodity-driven currency. We have gold reserves. We have oil. Um, and there gold are- Gold reserves in the ground. In mean. the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, we could potentially, I'm just spitballing here, potentially, uh, you know, nationalize a mine, pull the gold out, get a, get a, get a few tons of gold in, you, in your coffers, and then peg, and then start the pegging. Or, but, or you know, they're-, they're, they're these government people are always talking about spending hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, I saw in the newspaper today, Doug Ford wants to spend something like $170 million, I don't know, whatever, a billion, whatever it is, to, to build a train to somewhere, okay? <laughs> I don't care anymore. I just, look, I just look at the numbers and I go, where do you get that money? Mm-hmm. Where do you get it? Where do you get it? Are you getting it from taxes? Are you, th- you there's grow? no way you're bringing in that much money. It's no. not like we're we're that rich. We're already way in debt. That's are, right. are we out of debt first? No. Like, where does the government get that money? They're just borrowing it, borrowing, borrowing it. Yeah, you can't grow yourself out of this issue uh, of inflation because growth would indicate that you have to spend. You have to cap. You have to you know expand even more of the money supply, and that's the problem. Canada is one of the most indebted nations in the G7. Our debt debt to GDP ratio is probably the worst. Uh, since COVID began. Yeah, and also, you know, when they talk about, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, the idea of growing out of it, because, you know, I remember these conversations with, you know, Ron Paul or, you know, uh, whoever was talking to Bernanke, and they'd always talk about inflation, and they'd say, well, the economy's hot. As though inflation (laughs) never had anything to do with the amount of money that was being created out of thin air, the currency that was being printed. It was all just, well, there's economic activity, and that's why we have inflation, and that's why we're raising interest rates. And it's like, it's never about the money printing. No, it's the the printing press that's that's, uh, generating that activity. So now now these conservatives, conservatives, mind you, are saying, well, the way to beat inflation is to outgrow it. Well— you would be the people who would say that inflation is caused by the economic activity. That's right. So we're going in which circles. is it? No. Which is it? Don't chase your tail. You need, a, you need it to figure it out. You need a hard asset. Yeah. That, that's what this comes down to is the paper is worthless. Mm-hmm. Okay? At some point, people say, no, I don't want that currency. Mm-hmm. No, you've got to come up with something else. If you were living in Argentina when they had hyperinflation, say, no, I'm not taking, I'm not taking that. Mm-hmm. I'll take a U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I mean, at some point, are we going to be saying I'll take rubles mm-hmm. or do you just go to gold? Well, this is what's caused. This is what's causing the uncertainty with the producers, the, the manufacturers that actually make stuff that bring stuff to the market. Uh, the producers price index came out the ISM manufacturing data came out and all the respondents were citing inflation. One particular su- supplier, chemical products manufacturer, a tier two supplier sh- uh, are seeing a ripple effect. Uh, on their supplies, on their demands. They said he cited inflation is out of control, which is causing the inflation is causing an inflationary mindset. And that is the dangerous point because when you have producers, when the mindset of inflation sets in, 
they buy more than they need. Right. And then the other producers buys buys more than they need. And it just exacerbates the problem with empty and shelves. And then all of a sudden, there's no toilet paper on the shelves. No, yeah, exactly. So this is what we're seeing. And, um, you know, this is a very dangerous thing. So you can't grow yourself out of it because these producers are not willing to produce anymore. We have a few builder uh, clients that are builders hesitant to to keep building because they can't place if they place an order for some product so materials to come in the prices they have to reprice the, the job they don't know when the products are coming in it's just it's just a hot and, mess and and how do you and you know they're, they're saying that um our housing crisis is because we need more houses and the builders don't want to build anymore. And of course, maybe the housing crisis is caused by the fact that low interest rates pushed prices up so far that people can't, you don't have the grease. There's no liquidity in the real estate market for people to move out from where they're living to move to a different home or, you know, all of these different things mm -hmm. because you know, like when when uh, when the market seized up in 2008, it was because banks weren't lending to each other anymore. There was no movement of liquidity. And so they needed to insert liquidity to to grease the wheels, as it were. Well, I believe it's the same thing in real estate. I think it's a case of you need to grease the wheels and make it make it something that people can afford. Maybe as well. There's also all those foreign buyers who are owning all the properties everywhere. Um, maybe you get rid of some of that foreign property and all of a sudden you have tons of condos opening up. So I think there's a bigger, bigger solution, a much bigger solution than just saying, well, let's just build more, let's build more. And of course, in an inflationary time, builders are going to say, well, let's just not build yep. <laughs> for now. Yep. Uh, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. One of the solutions to these problems is obviously having a hard asset that is negatively correlated to the dollar that retains its value over time. There's only $11 trillion worth of gold in the world. Governments printed $11 trillion in less than four or five months. And at the end of the day, there's over $300 trillion in debt in the world. You've got to get yourself to safety. You've got to get yourself to dry land. That includes a hard asset in your portfolio. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. This is The Real Money Show on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. We're talking about ways to protect your wealth against inflation. We've also been talking about the fact that, you know, governments will say, well, inflation's caused by um, an uptick in, in economic activity, and then they want to grow out of inflation by using economic activity. None of it really makes sense. At the end of the day, it's because they've been printing money or deficit spending. And where does this money come from? Well, it's going to be on the back of you, your taxes, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids, and how do we protect this wealth? Well, we want to own assets that perform, assets that are negatively correlated to the dollar, assets that can't be touched, that don't have counterparty risk. That includes gold and silver, as well as a natural fancy colored diamond. Now, Jerry, I don't know if you knew about this, but uh, did you know that the world's largest blue diamond 
just sold at auction for $57.5 million. What an amazing story, yep. Um, this is the, the De Beers Cullinan Blue, a massive 15.10 carat step cut, which is basically kind of like an emerald cut. And there was an eight-minute bidding war. Eight minutes. That's what it took to sell $57 million. Um, and it surpassed its estimate of $48 million. So here's a quick question. Why do you think someone is willing to spend $57 million on something that is so small? Well, you have a, you have a, a beautiful stone, number one. So this is, it is gorgeous. This is what the Jean-Marc Liberier, from the, who was a GM of Rio Tinto, said. Because in, in spite of economic conditions, when you have the shakiness of the financial markets, uh, the, the, the top end of luxury markets, which is exactly this, an emerald step cut, vivid blue, 15 carats. This is the top of, of rarity. This is top of luxury here. And this is the market that defies gravity. When you have shaky currencies, of course you want to convert out of your paper, uh, in this case it was Hong Kong dollars, um, into, into a hard asset like this. Um, something that is going to defy gravity, continue to move up because of the rarity of this stone. 15 carats, fancy, vivid, uh, fancy, vivid blue, Jeremy. It was, a, it was a pure blue, which was found, and I believe it was in 2021. So it's a rather new stone, um, but smashing records and estimates. And it was an amazing story. And, you know, it's not the only diamond, colored diamond out there that is doing well at auction. Recently, there was also... Um, a Christie's Magnificent Jewel auction, and they they auctioned off the Fuchsia Rose, which was an 8.82 fancy intense purplish-pink diamond pear shape, and that one sold for over $6.7 million as well, and that was a 8-carat diamond. So these diamonds are doing well at auction again. It's been a, a little while since these, uh, number one, since some of these kind of hero stones have shown up at auction, number one. Uh, and number two, they're they're performing quite well at auction too. And auctions, by the way, when it does come to natural fancy color diamonds, is usually a last resort because the auction house takes can take up to 20% commission for the sale of that. Um, and of course, you know, in the private market world of diamonds, they can fetch much higher prices. So it can be a last resort to go to auction. But Great results for, for colored diamonds. I think that this is all about hard assets, assets that uh, retain their value year in, year out. We're talking about building a treasure chest, really. Mm -hmm. You know, gold, silver, a natural fancy colored diamond, something you can hold on to. They really become investments over a longer period of time. You know, if you're holding a diamond for five, ten years, it turns into an investment because, you know, you, you look back after, you know, 10, 15 years and you say, oh, I did, I did really well in terms of the purchase. Mm -hmm. And Guildhall does own a few tender stones in the past. We do currently have a tender stone for those investors who are looking to uh, potentially get into this market. Why consider something like this? Well, what can be said how, about the Argyle pink stones and especially tender stones is that they have appreciated exponentially over the past 25 years. This is a reflection of the fundamental economics of pink diamonds, about the mine shutting down, and increasing demand for a truly scarce product. The fundamentals are providing this type of catalyst for growth in investment demand. So investors are looking. These are investors who are seeking luxury, seeking beauty, seeking rarity, 
and something very, very special. These are super stones. Super stones. And it's essentially like having the ultimate real estate on the ultimate street in the world, you know? So uh, it is real estate in your pocket, but it is the ultimate real estate. So to learn a little bit more about natural fancy colored diamonds or take a look, the number is one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. We've got some new photographs that are going to be going up on the website soon of some of the diamonds. And I think we're also going to be doing another, uh, getting a new video up. Uh, we've got a new photographer, so we're pretty excited about yeah. uh, the look and feel of, of some sure. of the uh, promotion that we have for the diamonds. Getting back to precious metals, of course. We have the biggest problem right now is inflation is rampant. The Fed is trying to catch up. Central banks are trying to catch up. The question is, is how far will they go before the economy breaks? We're already seeing the reaction in the stock markets. Mm -hmm. um, and this is with, with a strong dollar. Uh, the stock markets are not performing well. I would also say in that case, you know, you got to look at discretionary income. If inflation's high, you're probably not going to go out and buy another pair of Nike shoes or an Apple watch, uh, these type of things. How can they continue to perform? Nobody needs to go on Amazon anymore to pick up goods. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they want to get out of their homes, not just continue to buy stuff online. So I think things are changing rapidly and we have to be nimble in that case. A few final words on the ownership of physical precious metals and taking advantage of today's uh, drop in the market, Jerry. Well, this is it. This is um, it. Just reminds me of an old quote. It was the Franco Nevada chairman back then. He said, "Bullion doesn't pay interest or dividends." And this was one of the you know many critics of gold. Will be sure to note that gold does not pay a dividend. But when we have markets right now, the U.S. market dividends are currently well below the historical average because if you have a three three percent ten year Treasury yield and you have 6%, 7% inflation, you're negative. So people don't want to roll the dice with their wealth. They don't want to chase the yield and make these. People want tranquility, and this is what he says. Bullion doesn't pay interest or dividends, nor does it grow or expand by itself. That's the price that you pay for tranquility. Physical gold and other precious metals are no one else's liability. In contrast with stocks, bonds, and currencies, given the shakiness of the financial system at the moment and the systemic risk affecting financial assets, the, this value is not to be sniffed at. And it's very important that this is the price that you pay for tranquility. People want to be able to sleep at night knowing that they have something that they can rely on, that it will continually buy you what it can. This is an opportunity to not just have a safe haven and protect your wealth, but this is now positioning you for an amazing opportunity. Some amazing topside potential is coming in precious metals, and we are seeing it live playing out. We're no longer waiting for some news item, as Rickard says, to come up, and, and, and it's on the horizon. No, we're living through it. And speaking of Jim Rickards, you know, he said that at minimum over the next several years, gold could easily go to $15,000, 25 25 ounces of gold today would probably run you a little over 62,500 Canadian and that 25 ounces of gold at $15,000 an ounce US would be worth $375. So we're not just looking to survive through this inflationary time like we saw in the 70s. We're looking to thrive and we do strongly believe that gold and silver can achieve that for you. The number 18778 silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. Okay everybody, that's it. That's the show this week. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to speaking with you next week here on The Real Money Show on AM640.
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.